Welcome to Inside Angle. This is Gordon Moore, Senior Medical Director for 3M Health Information Systems. Today, my guest is Dr. Michael Barr, Executive Vice President of the Quality Measurement and Research Group at NCQA, the National Committee for Quality Assurance. Welcome, Michael. Gordon, great to be with you. Thanks for coming on and talking today in our inaugural podcast. And today we're going to be talking about quality measurements and about the challenges, the benefits, the opportunities, and where NCQA is going. So tell me a little bit about where quality measurement is right now with NCQA. And let's start there at a very broad level, and then we'll start getting into some details. Well, sure. Of course, uh, NCQA has been doing quality measurement and accreditation for 25 plus years. And I think some of what we have in place now in terms of measurement reflects what has been possible to date. And what we're aiming for is what is possible going forward. And how do we transition from a set of measurement, a portfolio, programs that leverage those measures to programs that are of higher relevance uh, than we have been able to achieve with the existing measure portfolio without creating too much additional work and to leverage the available information, uh, or I should say the information we hope to be available uh, through health information technology and all the work that's being done to electronify what was previously paper. So we're, we're really at, at a really interesting period of time when there are high expectations, but uh, the reality doesn't match some of the expectations of what's possible. You, know, you mentioned the relevance as an issue and something that you're thinking about. Um, why is relevance coming up as, a, as an issue for you guys? Well, I mean, there's a lot of work in uh, collecting information and producing measurements and reflecting those measurements back to improve quality. And to a significant degree, we've been successful and others have been successful in moving the needle on some key measures like diabetes and so on and screening. But as we think about going forward and the opportunity to get to better measures uh, and measures that better reflect the challenges in improving care and that are more focused on the outcomes, uh, whether those be clinical outcomes or functional outcomes from a person's perspective or a patient's perspective, that's where I think uh, as a clinician, I think other clinicians would like to be in terms of seeing better reflection of the care they provide in a more timely way than we're able to do in the current measurement enterprise. So you mentioned a couple of things here which are interesting. So we'll, let's, let's think about timely. Uh, what's, when you mention timely, what are the issues around that? Well, I mean, NCQA, I wouldn't expect NCQA, at least in the short term, to be the kind of measure result provider that, let's say, accountable care organization or you know, practice is able to do in terms of reflecting their quality in the moment for a particular patient and a population they're working on. Because we sit at sort of at the national level looking at measurement across health plans, uh, networks, and soon-to-be practices. And I'm not sure we're ever going to be that timely source of information that's going to reflect what you do with this particular patient who's in the office or with whom you're speaking to on the phone uh, that clinicians will like. On the other hand, I think there hopefully will be a way for us to shorten the time period between the data collection and reflection back uh, our benchmarks and comparisons so that that becomes more timely and relevant and can be used in sort of improving care. At the practice level, though, we are going to try and collect information and reflect back to those practices as part of our a part of our patient-centered recognition program and other programs that are practice-oriented, uh, but we're really at the very beginning of implementing that. 
You know, I'm intrigued by that. One of the issues that I've been thinking about in terms of quality measurement in healthcare is this difference between uh, measurements in spheres of influence. And you mentioned the quality in the moment. At the moment, that a clinician or a care team is working directly with a person and thinking about, for instance, are we up to date on preventive screening and chronic disease management? Are we hitting targets for this individual? And then I think about quality at a sort of a more system level and how well is this healthcare delivery system performing in terms of big outcomes for the population that they serve. And those seem to me to be very different. And I've wondered about the conflation as I think about it of the quality in the moment measures and the overall system measures. Is that something you guys think about? Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think you're, you've highlighted the difference between measures for quality improvement and measures that are used for reporting, comparisons, benchmarks, and so on. And, and they should be um, as closely aligned in terms of the clinical criteria used to populate the measures, the numerators, denominators, the exclusions, the inclusions, and so on. Otherwise, you create an enormous amount of work that could be avoided. So, and and honestly, we're not there yet. So there are those kind of discrepancies between measures. Uh, however, I think that, you know, we need to align those measures as closely as possible so that the measures that are used for programs and reporting for practices, networks, and plans are aligned across those different aspects of the healthcare environment. And what is different across those is perhaps the attribution model you use to apply that measure to a particular population. Now, that's not to say that that exact same measure we use at a national level, which has to reflect the ability of all those different players to collect and report that information should be exactly the same as what a person or a clinician or clinical team or a network uses for the day-to-day -day management of the individuals and the populations they serve. But, uh, you know, what I think we would like to get to is sort of the standard measure that's used across, that's the same across the network's practices and plans, that could be modified very easily in sort of a, a legal building block fashion for the customization that's needed for that in-the-moment quality improvement type of measure that practices and clinicians and patients would probably find more relevant and useful in the moment. That, that raises a, a thought for me when I think about human beings and how many things that we can attend to. I remember hearing about some study in med school and they're talking about, you know, the typical brain can remember seven things pretty quickly. So we have a seven-digit phone number, for instance. And I have trouble. I have trouble remembering those. And of course, as we use our smartphones and have all those things, things pre-programmed, you know, I wonder how many people actually remember those phone numbers anymore, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know. So I think that, you know. So there's this human limitation in, in you know. I think about how many mental balls can I juggle at a moment. And so when I think about you know, a clinician in practice in a health system, organizing care delivery, the number of measures that come together for a PCP focusing on diabetes and maybe timely access and a bunch of issues like that, and a health system thinking about readmissions and safety indicators in a facility, for instance, the, the, there are so many measures that I, I think it stretches the capacity of individuals who are working on quality to attend equally to all of them. And therefore, it's likely that some will get more attention than others, and therefore, it, it, there's a relative importance issue. So how do you think about that in terms of, of outcomes that you guys are after? Well, that's a great question, Gordon. And I think the way I would respond to it is say, really, the, the number of measures 
and how many measures are being used should be totally opaque and not be on the mindset necessarily of the clinicians as they take care of people. The, we want to get to a point where the measured data uh, are used f directly from the encounters and the patient care that's being rendered and not require any additional collection or special information retrieval or specific checkboxes just for the point of measure. If it's not important to the clinical care of a particular person in the population and so on, then you know, we, we shouldn't be requiring additional work just for the sake of a measurement. So I guess that's a long way of saying that we want to base measures on information that's being collected in the course of regular care. Uh, and that kind of leads to the idea of using information already being uh, aggregated and used behind the scenes in the electronic health records and other health IT systems to populate measures so that really the clinician clinical team should just be focused on the kind of care they need to provide to this particular person. Now, their you know, clinical decision support systems, other prompts within the system that need to be refined that are nowhere near sort of the level of sophistication they need to be to be of the highest use but are hopefully getting there, that's where the focus should be in making sure the appropriate information is presented, the usability of those interfaces is maximized, um, the interoperability of data sharing to populate the clinical decision support and electronic health records, whatever the clinicians are using to care for a person. That's where the effort should be made. And then as we think about measures, we should just be using the data that come out of that encounter or that engagement with the technology and not require any additional work. We're not there yet. Don't get me wrong. Back to the, we can only measure what's possible now, but as we think going forward, our, our goal is to really make, to reduce the friction associated with clinical quality measurement and reporting to as minimal as possible. Give me an example of a measure you think could flow. Sure. Well, let's, let's, look, let's think about a, let's say a blood pressure measure, for example, right? Uh, right now, the typical measure is, is a person's blood pressure below a specific systolic uh, and diastolic cutoff, right? So let's just say it has to be one, over one, uh, under 140, over 90 for a particular person. So that's sort of a routine thing. A lot of people with hypertension, unfortunately. And what the measure does is, uh, are you under that number or not? And it doesn't reflect what's happened over the prior visits. It doesn't reflect any of sort of the decision-making or approach to help the person in terms of counseling them about exercise, nutrition, uh, weight loss, that kind of stuff. And it rewards the clinician that reduces the blood pressure from 142 to 138 more than it does the clinician and clinical team that reduce the blood pressure from 170 down to 145 systolic. And so you know, I think the focus should be on doing what's best for that particular person, and the measure should reflect that in terms of giving credit to those who have done a significant work with a person to, to reduce the systolic. It may not meet the actual cutoff, but that's significant work to go from the high number close to 140, probably more important and more clinically relevant than the 142 to 138 uh, adjustment. So as I think about that, a number of challenges come to mind. So uh, first off, do I need to go onto an NCQA website and start recording the number of people with hypertension who achieve certain goals, just sort of a static against a goal metric? And then and on top of that, you just described something that's really interesting to me, which is that the relative improvement for a person may not cross the perfect threshold, but you're saying that maybe I should get credit for doing that work. And so now I have a complex rule set that's going to look at this work. So I have to enter 
where was the blood pressure, where is the blood pressure. That sounds like a lot of extra work. No, not really, because um, in theory, you're measuring the blood pressure at every visit, correct? And that's kind sure. of the normal. So what additional work other than perhaps looking at the metadata and other data within the system, which we currently don't tap into, that says, you know, there was a nutrition referral. There was, you know, counseling and a, a, a care plan that included, you know, exercise and a, a nurse care coordinator reached out to this person. All of that stuff is in the record, right? If it's if you're using order entry and clinicians are using that system and the care coordinators tracking, all, all that stuff is in there. So I'm not saying we have those measures in the can right now ready to rock, but what I am saying is that we should be thinking about those kinds of uses of the data that are being generated in the normal course of interacting with a person and the clinical record. And therefore, your question supposes that there's some additional work, and I'm saying, I hope there isn't. I would, I would think that we try to develop those measures without requiring that additional work. Does that make sense? Yeah, so you're thinking, therefore, in an ideal state, and in recognizing we're not quite there, the, the information is going to flow out of the EMR or whatever engines I'm using, and that would flow to NCQA, and that you could say pass-fail or, or something in between based on the information flow. Yes, and I would say that we're currently not envisioning the data flowing directly to NCQA. So let me just kind of explain sort of how we're thinking strategically about again, aligned with the idea of levering the technology that's being used in the patient encounter to leverage the data intermediaries and those entities that are already that already have relationships with the data sources, practices, networks, and so on, and that are either doing analytics for those entities, reporting on those entities' behalf for federal programs, doing analytics for population health, and so on. That data already being pulled out in, in relatively standardized forms, uh, maybe not the data that I was just referring to in terms of the blood pressure measure or you know the, the nutritional stuff, but I mean the opportunity to do that is there. And then what NCQA would do is sort of say, if you already have these entities collecting data on your behalf, let's create some measures and have those entities repurpose what the, the data they're already collecting to support the measurements. Does that make sense? It does. It does. So there'll they'll be intermediaries who are doing the data collection who, are, who will be using NCQA rule sets around numerators Correct. and denominators, inclusions, exclusions, all the typical things we'd see, for instance, in HEDIS, and that that rule set would help drive what the data that flow to you guys who could then adjudicate you know, scoring on that. Right. And the only, uh, I mean, maybe not the only, but one of the important elements that would also have to fit into that is the checking or validation or certification that the information that's presented is being done uh, or the, the calculations that are being done are done accurately uh, and that there be an audit process that NCK, just like we do for health plans now on HEDIS uh, for these other measures. So, but yeah, I think this way, you know, a few connections to uh, significant data intermediaries or those hubs of information, whether they be health information exchanges, companies obviously like 3M, the EHR vendors themselves, the cloud-based EHR vendors, those are the kind of connections that I would I would think we would go after and try to facilitate, which is what we're trying to do for the, the electronic clinical quality measures currently in the marketplace to support the patient-centered medical home reporting. But, so, but that's nothing compared to the kind of enterprise I'm describing to you now, which is very future-oriented. What's, what's the big difference between the current ECQMs and where you're visioning this going? I think it reflects sort of the, the quality of the quality measures discussion we were having a few minutes ago. In other words, the ECQMs, they're good for what they are, but they don't reflect the kind of measurement 
concepts that we were just talking about, change over time, improvement versus threshold, uh, and so on. So you see the, you would like to see a more sophisticated set. That's what you see is more the vision as opposed to the more static, just did you clear this threshold that you, that you think is more in the ECQMs as they currently I think so. And also think about the kind of cross-cutting measures that are so difficult right now now to envision with the current data set. So care coordination, person-driven outcomes. You know, there is no place to capture the information in most clinical records. And what I I mean by that is sort of individualized outcomes at an individual person level, you know, for for highly complex or, or very sick or elderly people. And try and get them to what do you what does that person want out of their treatment over the next six months one year, and measure towards that goal as part of the measurement enterprise. We're testing that as part of our research group here, and we're finding some amazing interactions and very high interest, not just from the patients and the people and their caregivers, but the clinical teams are so engaged in finding that this is such a professionally rewarding way of interacting with people. Uh, so we hope that this experience will lead to further incorporation of person-driven outcomes or goal attainment scales in the clinical record, and that would be a different way of measuring how well quality is being performed in a practice. So one of the ways that I see that we capture this information, you mentioned blood pressure before, and that's pretty straightforward because we're typically recording that in a structured field in an EMR. And that structure obviously lends itself to data extraction and sharing. A lot of this information, though, is not. You know, I think, for instance, about uh, smoking uh, cessation measure, which which tracks is this person smoking or not, and if so, did you counsel them on smoking cessation and and you know following on hopefully with patient preference and or the working on it. The typical approach is to add more and more structured data fields to an EMR. But I, I get the sense we're almost beyond topped out on the number of structured data elements that physicians and clinicians are willing to fill in and that that leads to an incredible amount of frustration in the field. So how do we solve this problem? Well, I mean, you've raised a, a great issue and back to my comment about trying to reduce the friction associated with data collection and reporting for measurement purposes. I think there's so much data in the unstructured fields that tapping into that uh, through, for example, natural language processing is something that people have spoken about for quite some time as sort of just around the corner, just around the corner. But in conversations I've had, including conversations you and I have had relatively recently, it's probably closer than it's ever been to reality, and some systems are already trying to use that. I was meeting with a, a regional health plan not too long ago, and they said they have a whole NLP group that's using that, that technology and that methodology to help do their quality measurement, and they expect to use that as supplemental data eventually for the HEDIS reporting. So I think that's sort of where we need to go. One of the things that you mentioned before is that you want to make sure that the intermediaries who are taking these data do it well and are and are accurate in their in their work. And and I, I think the NCQA approach to that is to say, here's a test data set, run this and make sure you can hit the spec. Is that is that the typical approach? Well, for our eMeasure certification program, which is testing ECQMs now, yeah, we give a, a test deck that the system has to consume and or CCDA files that they have to consume and they have to send out uh, QRDA files uh, that with, with the measure results. 
And we know the answers they don't. And if they don't get the answers correct, we say go back and, 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 uh, and, and adjust your calculation engine. So, yeah, that's one way of doing it, and that's the current way we're using. Have you guys thought about how you would approach the unstructured data mining aspects of this natural language processing? In th- terms of, you know, are, are the, you know, because I can, I can think that there are companies that would, would enter this market and they might have varying capacity and the ability to extract information well. And so, therefore, that, w- that might be another place that NCQA could say, yes, these guys are doing well and you could grade them. Yeah, I, that is the subject of some very recent conversations. And I don't think we have sort of the structure or the framework for doing that other than the general principles, which you've just outlined. How would we do it? And, and what is the, the model that the NLP provider is using to make these assumptions? I mean, we just had a demo of one company and, you know, it, it, was, some, it was some impressive information but they were very focused on hospital measures and i had a hard time where there was one record and you know they looked at the nursing notes the clinician notes the laboratory all that stuff and i we're trying to figure out how would that work necessarily in an ambulatory environment when you're looking hopefully to get measurement from multiple practices specialists taking care of so you get a real full picture of what care is being provided to the person i know that uh, david kendrick and my health in oklahoma uh, he's got clinical data, electronic health record data, claims data, and so on. He has this very interesting visual of the depth of information on an individual person uh, using all those different sources. So, and the, the uh, what do you call it, the um, person-centered data home or patient-centered data home. Uh, so, so looking at that data and diving in and trying to populate measures using a more robust or rich uh, set of measurement data. I think NLP is a, as an opportunity, is a, is a way to complement that information uh, and do richer measurement. Yeah, I think that one of the things that I, you know, I, I know a, a tiny bit about the data science just because I hang out with some very smart people, and it's interesting hearing them talk about test data sets that help the engines learn, and I could see that potentially as a way that NCQA could vet the capacity of, of an engine and say, you know, can you achieve this threshold of data abstraction and reporting? Um, so that's that sounds interesting. I'm going to come back to shift gears a little bit to something we spoke about just a little bit earlier, which is this tension, and, and maybe it's not tension, but, but the difference between reporting and thinking about what's happening at, a, at the person level and then thinking about sort of big population health outcomes and whether uh, or where NCQA is going at that big population level. We've spoken a lot about the sort of the granular level. You talked about weaving that together and making sure that they're congruent. What sort of measures do you think define uh, systems effectiveness of care delivery and, and uh, what kind of measures would you populate in a dashboard, for instance, talking about the quality of, a, of an ACO or a group working for a population? Well, let's back up. NCQA programs like our ACO accreditation program, our health plan accreditation program, and our recognition programs at the practice level all have sort of, um, well, I should say the first two have the structure, process, sort of standards elements that those entities need to demonstrate they're aligned with, and then they have performance attributes or the measures along those lines. And those measures are the type that we've been describing, sort of what's available and can be measured currently. 
at the practice level recognition, it's been predominantly, almost exclusively now, sort of structure process, some, some outcomes, but fairly limited. And what we're trying to do is leverage the existing electronic clinical quality measurement measures that are there for the merit-based incentive payment program, previously the physician quality reporting system, and so on, so that we can start to get to a performance aspect of the practices the way we do at the health plans. And, and recently, health plan accreditation include new population health management standards to try and align the expectations of the plan with those of the network or the accountable care entity so that at the, at the structural level, there is you know, less separation in terms of purpose and direction. To your point about measures, I, I think it's, we're struggling with to some degree outside of the health plan where it's pretty clear who is responsible for a particular population with the accountability model at the level of a practice or a network even, where a person can go to multiple different clinicians, can do multiple different networks if they're, you know, specialty in this, the specialist in this network, but they go to the primary care network. And, you know, how do we do appropriate attribution from where we sit to assign the, the quality performance at the network and the practice level? So that's a challenge. It's not directly responsive to your question about how do we, what measures we should use, but I think we need to decide how we're going to apply the, the measure and the accountability as we think about what measures we would use. I think some of the measures that are out there now in terms of preventive measures, specific chronic conditions, uh, opioid measures, uh, given the, the crisis we have in the country, all those are appropriate, but then the accountability model needs to follow. Well, so I'm sticking with measures for just a bit. So when I think about, let me think about it in gaming. You know, so I'll put the worst light on it. But in, if I were to try to game the system, I could go after an opioid measure or mammography or something, and I could really work that. And it may not actually represent the overall system of care delivery. And so that, you know, I could look good on a handful of, of measures. And I guess you could solve that problem by saying, well, we're going to make it more than a handful. We'll make it a whole boatload of measures. But that sort of runs into the tension of, of how much reporting is eating up time and resource of entities that are trying to do the work for people. And so that makes me come back to, are there sort of superordinate or overarching measures that speak to population health outcomes in a way that are different, uh, that could be complementary? I don't mean them as necessarily either or. So I think about things like hospital admission rates for people with ambulatory care sensitive conditions or potentially preventable emergency department visit rates. Are those are those kinds of measures the, the sort of thing that NCQ already has going or is thinking about? Certainly the readmission rates, um, I'm not sure we have one currently about the ambulatory care sensitive conditions, but but looking at rehospitalizations, emergency department utilization, and so on, and we're trying to develop a, a cost, well, a little different than what you're describing, but developing a cost proxy index based upon existing measures within the HEDIS set that reflects sort of that systematic care to avoid unnecessary care. And I take your point in terms of looking at sort of the overarching measures. But I go back to something I said earlier. We, we want to get to the point where the number of measures is less relevant than it currently is because the work to produce the data, to, to produce the data for existing measures, probably exceeds what we envision for, for future measures, where it's just a byproduct of the encounters or the engagement with the people and the patients and what the clinical care team does or what the, the, the network does and then leveraging wherever that information is 
to populate the measures, whether it's at the health plan level, the practice level, care coordinator, which is outside the practice is doing it, a pharmacist or pharmaceutical company, pharmaceutical benefit manager who may be doing some interaction with their medication treatment programs. Wherever the data reside, they can populate the measure. And that requires a completely different way of looking at sort of the how you get the data to populate a mission that scares some people, but ultimately it's leveraging information that's already existing as opposed to requiring new ways of doing things at the practice level. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's what we're trying to get to. So the number of measures, while it's still important, becomes less important, and it gives you the opportunity to sort of do what you suggested, look at sort of the Uber measures, you know, indicators or proxy measures for what's actually happening, as well as sort of more granular measures that could give you specific indications of performance. Talk more about the cost proxy measures, if, if that's something you can get into. Uh, so the, the concept is at the network and, and maybe at the practice level, looking at sort of re- utilization rates of, of different uh, of four different measures, and I'm, I don't have them right in front of me, but emergency department utilization readmissions, I think, are two of them, uh, and pulling that together to give an indication of how well the system's performing with respect to cost. And are those conditions specific? Are you talking about for the whole patient population served by those delivery units? Correct. The latter. The latter. Interesting. Okay. And obviously, you'd have to risk adjust that. Do you have an approach to that? Well, it's a relative utilization um, measure. So it's observed versus expected. Okay. And, and do, you, do you stipulate a particular kind of risk adjustment methodology in that? It probably isn't a methodology, but it's not something I could uh, repeat right for you right now. Okay. Don't worry. Don't want to push out the spot with a great deal of detail. Okay. So, you know, um, this is this is really good information. So I'm encouraged by the direction of NCQA. I love that you guys are working on how to make the number of measures less of an issue by thinking about the electronification of information, you know, beyond just the structured data, but other data sets across different parts of entities that come together to serve people and then streaming that through uh, accredited vendors who could then get that information to you. That's that's very promising. I think that can address a lot of the pushback I hear around the pressure of reporting. And if we can get all that uh, wired up and working well, I think it would serve serve us all handsomely. So Michael Barr, thank you so much for your time. It was my absolute pleasure, Gordon. For Inside Angle, this is Gordon Moore. You can find more podcast episodes at www.3mhisinsideangle.com.